This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Freedom is something every human being desires. Freedom is the essence of our spiritual longing. It is liberty, it is deliverance, and it is the state of not being imprisoned or enslaved. There are both physical and spiritual freedoms. When the spirit finds freedom, physical bondage loses its power and control. Aside from love, Cassie Hutton believes it is possibly the greatest desire we have. True love is the power to set us free. America was founded for the sake of our freedom. Our forefathers wanted freedom from King George III's oppressive rule over the people. Even our pets and animals long for freedom. If you've ever kenneled your dog, it leaps with joy the moment you open the cage. It will jump, bark, run and play until its energy is exhausted. Cassie grew up with horses and many times she had to keep them stalled. When she was in college, that's all Cassie could find for boarding. She remembers making time to turn them out of their stalls. She would fling the gates wide open and they would take off running, bucking, playing and enjoying every second of their freedom. It was one of the most enjoyable things she did while she was in college. Cassie looked forward to it. Watching them play and enjoy their freedom was liberating even for her. She got to stop time just for those few moments every afternoon, where class assignments and tests were not on the agenda, where the evening sun and the bird's song became her study, where her mind stopped spinning and all people, papers, and problems no longer existed. Valeria Tellis interviews Cassie Hutton. Cassie is a passionate lover of Jesus. She carries the Holy Spirit and spreads it wherever she goes. Her greatest desire is to see others come alive for Jesus in a greater measure and grab hold of the promises God has given them. She learned early on that the lies the world plants into our hearts and minds play a huge role in how deep we will go in our walk with Christ. She has a desire to cast down every lie and replace it with God's biblical truth. Some of Cassie's earliest testimonies are being set free from the bondage of abortion and error. Upon salvation, the Lord spoke to her and commissioned her to go share your testimony. She has been doing that ever since and has recently written her story, Finding Freedom, A Personal Exodus from Deception to Identity. 
Here is the interview with Cassie Hutton. In your own words, who is Cassie Hutton? Oh, my goodness. I am full of life. I am constantly learning. I am a mother and a wife and an author. And um, man, I just, I love Jesus. (laughs) That's wonderful. Thank you. So I have a few warm-up questions before we talk about your book, Finding Freedom, a personal exodus from deception to identity. So my first question is, what is another word for life? Another word for life? I, <laughs> you're going to hear me say this a lot <laughs> today, but mm-hmm. truthfully, I was not living until I received Jesus. And um, from that point forward, there was um, just a overabundant joy. So would you say that another word for life would be Jesus? Yes, absolutely. What is the opposite of life? Death. What is the meaning of freedom? Or what does the word freedom mean to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, freedom, it just carries it. It seems like I'm constantly learning a new concept behind freedom, even in this season that I'm walking in right now. But freedom for me is learning that not that we're just like set free and are just able to choose and do whatever we want, but freedom for me is recognizing that I have a choice and I have a choice to um, choose life or choose death. And when I choose life, it's freedom. Oh, wow. So in a way, we can actually be in a body alive, but dead at the same time, right? Without love. Oh, yes, absolutely. So true. That's so good. What is your greatest joy, Cassie? Oh, my greatest joy um, to be privileged to raise four beautiful babies, (laughs) four beautiful children and serve my husband um, to be married to an amazing man that loves me. When we first got together, he said, you know, the greatest part about being in love is being loved. Mm. <laughs> wow. It's true, isn't it? Mm-hmm. What is the world's greatest need, in your opinion? Well, absolutely. The world's greatest need is, is, is Jesus. Do you connect Jesus to love? Absolutely. And do you connect Jesus' love to God? Yes. Wonderful. Where is Mm -hmm. God? Uh, God is in my heart. He lives right here with me. What do you think is the purpose of your life? My absolute purpose is to know the Father and to know that He knows me. And when I say Father, I mean God the Father and Jesus the Son and God the Holy Spirit as well. Right. So, in a way, they all connected. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God. Mm-hmm. Would you say that they are all one? Yes. Yeah. So let's talk about finding freedom. How did you become mm-hmm. a writer? And what was the inspiration to write Finding Freedom? Well, uh, the inspiration behind it was, I honestly, it's so interesting because even still today, 
I do not consider myself necessarily a writer in that I can't digraph sentences or, di- you know, I can't break them apart and tell you that this is a noun and this is a pronoun and this is, the, these are all these things. I always struggle with that in school, but I could tell my story and I could tell the world what Jesus had done for me in my personal life. And, um, after I became a born-again Christian and received Jesus in my heart, I had a desire to write, but it wasn't really until I heard um, the Holy Spirit speak to me and say, I want you to write your book. I want you to write your story. And so that's when really an inner desire within me um, knew that I was supposed to do this. And then it was, you know, what I actually did was I was reading a whole lot, but I just decided for myself that I went to go pick up a book one day and I realized I needed to replace reading with writing and get this book done. How interesting. Yeah. Replace reading with writing, which means you had a message in you that wanted to be out there because it was in need, isn't it? I really believe yes. that, that we need message like this. Mm-hmm. My next question is about the God-given identity. What is that? Well, before I knew Jesus, I, you know, I wanted what I wanted. Um, and although it could have, it was maybe good things, what the world would consider good things, it wasn't necessarily God things. And my will and purpose for my life was, you know, I went to college, I became a school teacher, I started raising babies, and um, I was married to a great man. But then, man, God's when God came into my life, His purpose for me came forth. And that looked like serving Him first and foremost. Foremost, It looked like getting healed from all of my past choices and darkness. And man, and then He called us to, to adopt, um, which when, you know, before all of that, my life would not look like this right now. Um, and although it might be good, it wouldn't be great. That is interesting, Cassie, the way you say, you say good things and God things. Um, I Mm -hmm. love that. How do we know the difference? Um, For me, I know the difference by learn. I've learned to hear the Holy Spirit, which is the voice of God in my life. And that it, and I, and I've learned um, to allow the Holy Spirit to teach me the word of of God, the Bible. Um, and those two together help me to know the difference between what the world would say is a good thing and what God would say is a, is a God thing. Right. Can you give us an example of that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. A good thing could be telling someone, uh, well, let me give you this example. There's a difference between a peacekeeper yeah. and a peacemaker. Right. And a peacekeeper is going to pet somebody. Let's say you've got someone in your life that's kind of destructive and you know that if you speak truth to them, that they're going to blow up. They're going to make a scene. But let's say the peace um, maker, so the peacekeeper is going to kind of continually to pet them, walk on eggshells, if you will. Mm. But the peacemaker might, might gently go to that person and say, I want you to know that what you're doing and the words that you're choosing and the actions that you're choosing are destructive. Mm. And so what what would look like to the world a good thing whenever we keep the peace with this person is not a God thing. 
but a God thing is to approach that person in love and in truth and in gentleness mm. and say, your actions have got to change or you're not just going to destroy yourself. You're going to destroy everyone around you. Wow. Yeah, that's a powerful example, though, because I think most of us do that, and especially women. Uh, mm. I can put myself in that situation. Yeah, yeah. As you talk, <laughs> I'm just reflecting here. Oh, now I have more questions for her. <laughs> so by embracing the, the godly way of being and living, and now we're just speaking our truth without fear, does it also mean that we can accept the consequences of speaking the truth? Because it could be, as you know, sometimes it gets more complicated. Yeah, you're right. I agree. It can get more complicated. And one thing that I know, um, I'm going through a situation right now in my life where I know that I need to go to someone and, and speak to them. And and this is why, because the word the word of God says, if if a brother or sister, a believer in Christ, has sinned against you, go to them and tell them. And you know, it doesn't look like going to them and saying you hurt me. It goes to them, and it means go to them in humility. And first, I've I've reflected on it and and thought over my words and and knowing to approach this person and say, I'm sorry if I've done anything to hurt you, and then open it up with that. And then let it lead into, can we also talk about this situation where you hurt me? Knowing that I'm supposed to do that, I have to have faith that God, mm. if you if your word says to do this, then it's got to be the best way. And regardless of how I think it might turn out or turn bad, I know that I know that I know it's going to turn around for good because it's your word and your word is truth. And so... I have to stand firm on that and let it play out. And in the right timing, I will see that God's word is, stands, stands true. Right. I love that too. Um, the idea of trust mm. and clarity, no doubt. Mm. That's so important, isn't it? it? I agree. And I love the way yeah, you say also compassion, kindness. This is the way that we know that we are living a godly way of living, mm -hmm. by being kind no matter what, and compassionate. And then now my next question, I guess, mm -hmm. about patience. Mm -hmm. What about if we talk to the person and then they say something like, you know, I can't talk to you about this right now and I need time to think. And then they don't get to you uh, soon enough. Is patience also the way of God? Definitely. And in fact, that's one of the, the, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 6. It talks about different, the fruit of the Spirit and patience is one of those things. In other words, as you continually to seek Jesus and allow the, the pruning process to take place, that is one of the things that will begin to manifest in your life. Yeah, you'll become more patient mm -hmm. right? because that's part of love. Absolutely. Now that we are talking about a subject that could be connected to relationships, and you talk about this in your book in the very beginning about mm -hmm. how we go from one relationship to another, or oh, a lot of people do this. So my question is, how do we break this cycle of moving from one relationship to another? Wow. Well, it does take, for me, there was not going to be any way that I was going to be able to do it on my own. Um, and I didn't even know that at the time. 
but and, and also no one's no one spoke you know we were talking about that no one spoke truth to me cassie i see this destruction in your life and so it wasn't until love himself came into my heart and showed me I love you enough that you don't need to continually go down this path of of moving from one sexual relationship and then and you know I would even um say to myself you know justify it with um it's it's a long-term relationship you know I wasn't I wasn't just jumping from one man to the next I was I was staying with one person for a long time and in my heart I loved them it was destruction in every in every way and so the only way that i was going to be able to break that cycle was to have jesus come in because there's a spirit behind everything that we do and that is usually a spirit of perversion a perversion and um it will have a stronghold on on many many people and um so you know if anyone's listening that says i don't know why i can't say no i know that it's wrong but i can't say no you we it is first to humble yourself and pray and say god i can't do this on my own right mm, yeah I like that too. That goes back to what you said earlier about listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And how do we do that, Cassie? Or how did you learn to do that? Is that through quietude, uh, prayer? Yeah. So um, my friend, my best friend since high school, I love how she puts it. She, she, because we know that in this world, there is also our enemy, the devil, Satan, and there he can speak as well. And so number one, you, we have to measure the voice and ask ourselves, is it love? So if you're hearing voices, you know, that um, are speaking hatred or speaking um, twistedness or, or trying to help you compromise, you know, compromise or justify something, that's not the voice of the Holy Spirit. Number two, if you hear a voice and you say, well, that, that could definitely be love, but I'm still not sure if that was me or the Holy Spirit or some, you know, another voice, I would say this, you number one, pray. And number two, ask the Lord to confirm it. In other words, He will give you that same message through another doorway, through the Bible or through another person, or he will, something will jump out at you. Um, I was, I was, I I took a magazine with me the other day to a Bible class and um, I had looked at it two or three times. My husband brought it home and um, all of a sudden the very front cover, after I had looked at it four or five times, this same saying jumped out at me and it hit me in a new perspective. And I knew that was the Holy Spirit. I knew it was. And so it's, it's, um, but just to give a few examples, um, that's how I know that the Holy Spirit is speaking to me. Oh, wow. Through signs. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I like where you say too that we can ask for those signs. Mm hmm. At 16, you followed the plan of having a baby. So you and your boyfriend would spend more time together. So my question is, what would you say to young teenagers today while considering this idea? Yeah, so I've definitely heard of even whole high schools getting a plan together and saying, let's all have babies. Let's all get pregnant. Um, and then some people get pregnant just because they're being sexually active, but they don't want a baby. Um, and then there are people like me who on my own um, decided, you know, that this boy and and I was just so giddy in love and mm-hmm. 
I, you know, I couldn't see past today what was going on. I couldn't see past that. And so I decided I believed a lie (laughs) that, you know, a baby would somehow bring us closer and give us more time together. And then one of my friends who has chosen an abortion as well, when she was younger, said, you know, the devil is pro-choice when you get pregnant and then you have an abortion and he's pro-life. So in other words, after you have that abortion, he brings on guilt and shame and confusion and broken relationships and self-hatred, all those things, torment. So I, I would say, do not believe a lie that abortion is health care. Do not believe a lie that um, those people are there for you. There are so many people who are truly there for you and seek them out in pregnancy centers. Seek them out through people that you can trust, who you know um, have a deep relationship with God because they will speak truth to you. And if someone says to you that an abortion is the way, or it will be the answer to your problems. It is absolutely not the answer to your problems. I've been there. I've walked down that path and believe that God is bigger. Believe that God truly is who He says He is, that if He even takes care of the birds in the sky, then He will take care of you. Oh, wow. That's beautiful. And that's so true. Do you believe in um, perfect or healthy circumstances to have babies or to have a baby? Huh. Perfect circumstances. It seems like everyone wants to have the perfect circumstance and we wait until we've got the perfect job and the perfect house, but it seems to never come (laughs) because, you know, we aren't perfect, but we can be excellent. But we, I... That that's such a good. If I would say that there's a perfect time to have a baby, it would be just get married first. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Wait for the one. Right. It's a whole different subject, like marriage, mm-hmm. how to choose, how to yeah find the right person. That's another subject. Yeah. True. Mm-hmm. In your book, you say that you researched and wrote a paper on abortion prior to your pregnancy, but didn't know the whole truth about abortion. What was that truth that you did know? The truth that I did not know was that it was going to bring all of the torment and the shame and the guilt upon me. Now, I will say this, many women... Um, actually don't experience the torment and the shame and the guilt that I did. And they'll go back for many abortions and almost use it as a form of birth control. But for me, I'm almost thankful for all of that torment because it brought me to a place where I came to the end of myself and did receive Jesus. But what will happen for others is they will dive into drugs and alcohol they will to to cover up their pain they one thing that uh, many might not recognize as a symptom after an abortion because see you have this very deep soul wound within you we are a for, first of all god god made us spirit we live in a body and we have a soul And so when we sin or when hurt comes our way or when we choose such a thing as abortion, which in God's eyes is murder, we have a soul wound and it's a bleeding wound within us. And the enemy can follow that blood trail so severely. But what one symptom of abortion is broken relationships. So 
later on, you're never healed of an abortion, but then you have children and you wonder why you have never been able to connect with your children like some other mothers do. Or you wonder why every time you make a new friendship, it only lasts so long and it always ends in turmoil. That is because it goes back to the abortion. Mm -hmm. Wow. This is an information that a lot of people don't know, I believe, right? I, I believe it too. And that's interesting because you mentioned also that I did know is um, that abortion has effects, symptoms similar to PTSD, depression, anger, control. I'm wondering if this information is public today, if a lot of women, if women know this before they decide to make this choice to perform abortion. There are lots of resources out there, but are they easy to find all the time? I don't think so. Um, You know, the main name that we hear for when we talk about abortion, immediately our minds probably go to Planned Parenthood and they've disguised abortion as women's health care. Whereas if you go, there are many pregnancy centers and many places where you can go to find help for abortion, but they're not they're not a big corporation, you know, and so it's just harder to find them. There's tons out there. You can just type in, you know, help pregnancy centers in my area or, um, oh gosh, I'm trying to think. I've, I've looked at many of them, but I can't recall some of the names right now, but those would be just as simple to Google, you know. Yeah, to find. Yeah, nowadays it's easier to find information quicker mm-hmm. on the internet and all. So, I like the idea of knowing that we have a choice yeah. to choose better and to do better. Yeah. Uh, in this case, the way you talk is even more wonderful. Mm. You can do God's way. Mm. You can do it. You can live this way, and you can choose that. And this is actually my next question: Do you think, or do you believe that you had this uh, the choice back then when you made the decision to perform abortion? Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I I don't, you know, I was not coerced. I was not forced. Many people feel that they are forced, although I had everyone supporting um, the choice for abortion. No one, no one forced me. Right. And that's wonderful that you don't blame anyone. Mm -hmm. In that case. Yeah. 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 And, and I will say for a long time I did. And it wasn't until really just just getting set free through the blood of Jesus and him forgiving my sin is really when I was able to let go and recognize and take, I guess, take ownership. It's so important, you know, to take ownership of our actions. Yes. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, beauty in that. And I hear peace too. When we there's no blame, no complaining, but just yeah, taking responsibility f- mm-hmm. for our choices, and also forgiving ourselves. Right, I think that's the first thing. Absolutely, yeah, uh, it is, and and I think that um that actually did take me a little bit longer. Maybe I, I had actually at first because I had such a radical um, and powerful encounter with Jesus, I knew that I was truly forgiven and that He had forgiven me and I, and I saw how He saw people. But then I, I kind of fell almost back into an unforgiveness for myself. And then someone just spoke spoke something at a, a Bible study. I was at one night and that's something that they said was, you know, we have to forgive ourselves. And uh, man, it just was like, oh, I've I've fallen back into that, you know. So, um, yeah. So in a way, um, Cassie's like a, a practice, isn't it? Like we need to stay in touch. 
like for you, it might be prayer, the Bible, church, and we got to be constantly in touch with the divine force yeah. in order not to forget and go back. Yeah. Talk to me yeah. about birth control pills and what women need to know about them, what I need to know, because that's something I need to know, I guess, too. Wow. Um, for me personally, and it's, and it does have a lot to do with my choice of having an abortion and, and going through the pain and the guilt of all of that, that every time I would take a birth control pill, it reminded me of my abortion. And so I have never had the desire to be on birth control. Um, and I read something that really um, put it into perspective for me one day that um, obviously, God is so much bigger than us. And and people that have been on birth control and got pregnant on birth control can say, there must be a God out there because, you know, I was trying everything in my power not to do this. I mean, I even have an aunt and then a, a very close friend that both of them got pregnant after they had their tubes tied, you know. So sometimes we can do things in our own flesh and 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 God really does have a a plan and a purpose for for us to raise another child um and so one thing that uh I guess that I'm thinking of in my mind I haven't really thought much about that it's just a personal choice for me I don't judge anyone that you know that's on birth control or feels that that's the right thing for them um but it is us trying to control something and and to know that, you know, God, if I can't handle another child, then I'm going to believe you to not give me another child. But if you say that my quiver, the, the Bible says that um, our quiver will be full. It's, a, you know, a, a, an image of someone carrying a satchel full of arrows. That's the quiver. And the arrows are the children. And God says that we will have many of them, that they are our, our heritage. And in this world that we live in, you know, I've, I've, this is one of the lies that I've had to break off of my mind. I've had to believe that, God, if you say my children are a blessing, then why am I not experiencing that? You know, mm-hmm. I've had yeah. to allow him to, to change my mindset about my children. They go with me everywhere now. I don't <laughs> look for a babysitter every time I turn around. God, if you say that um, they are my heritage, then I'm the one to teach them. I'm the one to build them up and to train them up in the way that they should go. And so, um, not that I want, you know, 12 children. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like four is plenty for us. Right. <laughs> um, but I don't practice a birth control method, and um, that's just a personal choice for me. Right. It's interesting that you connected the term birth control with our obsession with control and not trusting enough Yeah, the mm. divine force, God. Mm. I didn't think about that before. True. Birth control. Yeah. Do you think that there is um, an exception for some women, that choice that would be the right thing to do when they have been raped by sometimes the family members? Um, First of all, I would say to them, I'm very sorry and that it was not wrong and it was not God's doing in any way to have someone rape you. It's not God's punishment on you. It's not, um, it was someone's choice. It was, you know, someone who is very tormented and and sick in their mind and in their heart, and they need to know love himself as well. And I will say that the Bible says that God is the one who creates us and forms us in the womb, and that that child 
has a purpose and God has a plan for that child. And it very well could be for the healing of that woman's heart, mind, soul. Um, I know a close friend that um, was not, she was not able to get pregnant. Um, and in fact, she got pregnant and had a miscarriage in our last, my last baby. And her baby would have been born at the same time. And my goodness, she she watched, we were on a um, kind of a, we did a Facebook live thing together where we had a panel of women come and share about our abortion stories. And she, I had no idea she lost a baby and it she would have been as far along as me. And here we are sharing that we chose abortion at one point and she's seeing this baby grow in my womb and she had just lost her baby. And then I found out just a few months ago that the story that you're the, the scenario that we're talking about, a woman was raped and she chose life for her child. And then this lady who's not been able to carry a child was able to adopt her son. And now they're so blessed with a child. And, you know, that's another statistic that we can look up and see that it's kind of like two wrongs don't make a right. Right. True. And your rate is very traumatic. That is, we're not trying to, if we say you can't have an abortion, it's not because someone's trying to be harsh on you. It's because saying that an abortion is going to make it twice as bad for you. And um, that, that that woman needs to seek out serious guidance and counsel and um, not hide that. Talk to me about the shift, uh, seminar and care, Christ-centered abortion recovery in education. Yeah, so um, I was not actually a part of CARE, although I have made a lot more connections with them now. And they are um, just a local-based um, right here in Tyler, Texas um, area where they help women with abortion recovery. And at the time, I knew a friend. She's passed away in this last year. But she was the first woman that I ever heard be honest about her abortion. And she had two abortions. And I'm sitting there listening to this at a women's, you know, um, conference, Christian conference. And I, there's so much shame and guilt on me that I literally felt like everybody in that entire conference knew knew that I'd had an abortion. And, um, but later on, it didn't, it took me a few years. I would run into her again many times and she, she helped advocate for a Bible study, a healing study for abortion through care. And I went through a healing study and I just sought the Lord on so many things. I grieved my child for the first time. I prayed and asked the Lord to give me visions of my child in heaven and asked the Lord to give me my child's name oh, yeah. and <laughs> gender and <laughs> God is a loving God. He does not hold these things against us once we give them to Him. And He was faithful to give me my child's name. And she's a girl and her name is Freedom. Right. <laughs> that is wonderful. Yeah, you say something wonderful about marriage and men. So that caught my attention too. You said men need to know they are needed. A woman to a man is like the wind beneath his wings. If the husband doesn't have the wind, he cannot go higher. A woman's role in a man's life is to be their encourager, their companion. We are there to let them know they are doing a great job. Mm. That is so tender. So talk to me about the man in marriage. 
Yeah. Well, I'm so thankful that you read that to me. I, I needed to be reminded of that <laughs> myself. Um, but I, I had such a twisted mindset about men and what they wanted. You know, I mean, really, I just grew up around just hearing filthy voices constantly in my life. And I, I really had this perception that men truly wanted one thing and I needed to flaunt myself in front of them. I needed to um, try and be somebody that I wasn't. I needed to try and get them to like me instead of knowing that God had a man out there that would respect me and honor me. And so I just listened to a lady speak that same year that I heard the other lady share her abortion story. A lady got up there and spoke on how much she loved her husband. And she talked about how they worked through their problems. And I had never thought of it that way. And I had never really had it modeled for me in front of my eyes that way. And I quickly realized, wow, Lord. And, you know, this is how the Holy Spirit works. He he draws us in. He's not a forceful God. He is a loving God. And this was like five years before I truly accepted Jesus into my heart. But even five years prior, God was already tendering me. He was already molding me. And I, I did, I realized, wow, I, I really would speak down to men and think that they thought that it was cute. And they don't. They are, and I, if men are, are listening, I sure don't want this to come off the wrong way, but I, <laughs> nice. I have three little boys and I can recognize in them when I say to them, wow, you are doing an amazing job. Mm. They just are so confident and their chest rises up oh, and they, wow. and when I tell them you're my protector, they take on that role with confidence. Wow. And so I quickly realized, and I, I put it into this perspective, not to put men in a in a child's mind or <laughs> to belittle it in any way, but in my mind, that's how I can perceive it. And I can go, all that my husband needs from me is for me to say, good job, for me to find the gold, mm-hmm. even if it's a dirty day, a bad day, mm-hmm. we fought or whatever. If I can say to him, here's the gold I've found in you today, then we're going to walk away from from that day with love and hope and honor and trust and know that, that tomorrow is going to be different and better. Wow. Yeah, that was a reminder for me, which makes mm. me think about gratitude, doesn't it? Mm. Cassie, being yeah. grateful, it's such a powerful state of mind. That is, absolutely. And changing the subject a bit um, about losses, this is a question that I, I often ask What profound lessons have you learned from losing loved ones? The number one profound lesson that I learned losing a close relative was that God turns it around for my good if I will allow him to and hold him truthful to who he is. Because that's not just a promise that he gives us. It's also who he is. And in this life, we are promised trials and tribulations, but we're also promised that God will turn it around for our good. And if I had not have lost that loved one, I would not have the joy and peace and purpose that I have today. Yeah. That's interesting because a lot of us don't tend not to think that way and hold on to the loss and uh, see and be, mm-hmm. we don't see what's here, what we can be grateful for and what the lessons are, right? Mm. How does it feel yeah. to be healed? And Absolutely. also talk to me about the healing study called Surrendering the Secret. 
Yeah. What it feels like for me to be healed. And I explain this in the book. I talk about, um, and I talked about those soul wounds that we had, but it goes back to Adam and Eve in the garden. When they first ate that fruit, it was suddenly they knew of their nakedness. And that's the same as me when I first heard that woman say, I've had an abortion. The shame, I felt naked. I felt like everybody could see my sin. And that is when you're not healed. But when you are healed, you can talk about your sin. You can talk about your shame. You can talk about all of those bad things and because those bad things that I chose to do, it's like I'm. It's like that was a book I read about my life, not even about my life, about somebody. Right. Because the Bible says, once you found Jesus, you're a new creation. And so now I'm a new creation. I'm born again. I'm a whole different person. He calls me by a new name. And so my guilt and shame is gone and I'm healed of all of that trauma. And now I walk And I have to stay in constant healing, to be honest with you, not of the abortion, but just whatever life throws at me, you know? And um, so that's, to me, what it means to be healed. Oh, wow. I love that too. Uh, Born again, just Mm -hmm. this idea of being new. And that has a lot to do with freedom too. Mm -hmm. And maybe that can happen on a daily basis in a way. Exactly. I that's my number one goal is <laughs> as soon as I my husband thinks I'm crazy, I think sometimes because when I get hurt or wounded or I'm angry or I'm mad or whatever it is, I mean, I have to go into prayer. I have to go into the Bible. I have to come into that place where I go, okay, Lord, I'm staying here until I know that I'm healed. And not everybody processes their healing that way. I mean, my husband absolutely doesn't because he's like, you know, it just, he can't wrap it around his brain. He loves the Lord, but he does not process it that way, you know? And, um, but that's, that's me. That's how I do it. Right. We are all different. Mm-hmm. But the beautiful things that we respect one another. Absolutely. And, and that's the, the beauty, isn't it? Relationships, the gratitude, mm-hmm. the respect. I have a few questions for you. Uh, they are my final questions. But before that, would you like to add a passage from your book or anything else to the subject? Oh, goodness. I can't think of anything specific from the book. I would just say, you know, if you're, if you've never accepted, um, Jesus into your heart or, or if you have an idea or you've been hurt by someone in the church or if you have an idea about God and it's not what you heard here today, I would just say, you know, it's the, it's, it's me as a believer. I would say, I am the church Mm -hmm. and, I am here to re-present Jesus to you in a way of love and in a way of truth that God says, you know, I didn't say all of, I don't, I'm not a God. He had to say this to me and I, put, I did put this in the book. I am not a God of do's and don'ts. Right. In other words, right. I am a, not a God of rules and regulations. He's a God of freedom. And the freedom that we have to choose is for our own good. For God to say, if you will love me, then I will give you an abundant life. And it's not a life that this world can give us. Oh, wow. That's true. And that's very much resonates as freedom, just being free to be the creation, mm. but the best version yeah. of that creation. Uh, my last question to you, Cassie. The first one is, how do you define success? What is to be successful? 
Oh my goodness. I think we would all have our, again, our own idea of what success is. To me, again, it just goes back to being in, you know, we're created to be relational people. God created us to be, first of all, in a relationship with Him, and then second of all, in a relationship with the ones that we are surrounded by, our husbands, our children, our friends, our loved ones. And, you know, success can be as simple or as elaborate as we want it to be. And for me right now, success looks like be intentionally relational with the people that I'm surrounded by, intentionally loving my children, intentionally loving my husband, intentionally reaching out to that person that's hurting, intentionally reaching out to the one that God's put on my heart. And then, you know, from there, intentionally doing what I know God's called me to do. Yeah. What a beautiful answer. Yeah. Intention. That's so powerful. What was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself? Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's a very good question. It seems like the more I learn, the more I realize, the less I know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. So true. true. I would say that that's it. Um, You know, I, I, I can't pinpoint one thing. But I'm constantly realizing as soon as I think I know it all, God humbles me and says, okay, you've got more to learn. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) Yeah, that is so true. Do you believe in unconditional self-love? I believe that we, we can get there. I think that when we realize... I can I can definitely say that I'm I'm not there. Um, I think that a lot, for me I would define that as as when I fear man and I think a lot about what people think of me, then I still know that there's a deeper relationship that I need to to go in with with the Lord first and let Him show me my identity in Him. When I can say that I care more about what God thinks right now than what people think, then I will have that self love. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yes. Um, uh, what is my, I even forgot my next question. <laughs> if you knew you would die soon in the sense of losing the body, what would you do mm-hmm. differently? Good. What would you change about your life? Uh, well, I would have a, probably a greater urgency to mend and and speak about kind of that, like what we were talking about earlier, those those hard things, when we know we need to approach someone and say, I'm sorry, or, you know, the people, because it's all about, again, relationship and people and, and, and letting people know that you truly care. That's interesting that you have this as a priority. That's very beautiful. Mm-hmm. What are three things about life you know for sure as of this moment, Cassie? That Jesus is alive. That God loves me and that I am created to be in close, intimate relationship with Him. That's really great. Thank you so much for your presence and for sharing your wisdom. Great conversation. Mm, Thank thank you so much. Very peaceful too. Yes. (laughs) I love how genuine you are. Thank (laughs) Thank you. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? 
Yeah. So you can go to CassieHutton.com. That's my website. I'll put anything that's new up on there. I'm working on a book right now that I think that you're, it's very different from um, this first book, but this next one is going to be 1111 and how God speaks through numbers biblically. Um, So you can keep updated through my website, CassieHutton.com. My book, Finding Freedom, is on Amazon.com. You can find me on Facebook, Cassie Hutton. Um, And then I also have a Facebook page for the book. And it's the full title, Finding Freedom, A Personal Exodus from Deception to Identity. Wonderful. Thank you so much again, Cassie. And we'll talk soon. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Cassie Hutton, please visit her website, CassieHutton.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Vickrock. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now. Mm-hmm.